Welcome to Exit 425, current affairs information and education that goes where you want to go. You have found us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Medium, Apple, Spotify, or Anchor. Please like and subscribe and be sure to join our Facebook group. I'm Steve Ray. When John Henry was elected as regional chair for the regional municipality of Durham, the population of Durham was approximately 691,000, but it is expected to rise to over 800,000 in 2024 and 1 million people by 2041. That, plus the favorable geographic location, means John Henry is overseeing enormous growth and economic development. That is an exciting opportunity, but one fraught with the potential for a lot of challenges as the rural frontier, once at the border of Toronto, moves east and north across some of the finest farmland in Ontario and Canada. I always appreciate John Henry's willingness to free up time for Exit 425, and I am looking forward to our conversation. since our October 5th conversation. How is John well, Henry? Well, John is, is well, thank you for asking. I'm a, 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 since that time, I'm, I'm a new grandfather, which, is, which is, brings a different light in how you think, think about things. And so Kathy and I and our personal life is, is, is great. Um, but in the in Durham region, it, things are getting better. There's a, a big light at the end of the COVID tunnel. We're getting close to the end. Things are getting back to, to normal. And you know the region continues to grow. You you hear often hear now that Durham is the fastest growing region in all of Ontario, if not all of Canada. So on that note, um, the process from uh, process of emerging from the pandemic restrictions, it uh, must still be a little bit like uh, finding your way in a dark fog, or is that improving? It, you know it is improving. Um, you know we're we're busy um, during the pandemic. Uh, we kept our most of our departments were open. So in our planning and economic development, all, all the work related to the development that you're seeing now flowed through the region. Um, the work that needed to be planned for water and sewer and roads all continued to, to happen. And in the end result is you're seeing subdivisions uh, under construction, you're seeing tower cranes up, uh, you're seeing uh, you know great news stories, uh, General Motors, of course, trucks coming off the end of the line. The small modular nuclear reactor story in Clarington is an amazing story. You know, Durham was the energy capital of, uh, of Ontario, Canada. Now with this, maybe even the world. Um, it's a great story. It's exciting to see all that going on. And, you know, we have development all the way up into, into Beaverton. So there's uh, houses being built in Beaverton. So each part of the region, all eight municipalities have some great growth and some exciting things happening. The announcement of the removal of the tolls on 412 and 418, that was a, a nice little win. Oh, uh, you, you know, thank you. That is a, it was an amazing win. And it just shows when communities come together. This was, this was led by, uh, you know, the region, the municipalities, the mayors, our residents. Uh, it was a great news story when it finally happened. And uh, we knew when the announcement came out about the 413 not being told that Durham's time would be coming soon. And uh, just two weeks ago now, um, two weeks ago to uh, on the, this Friday, tomorrow, 
Um, I was there for that announcement uh, along with Mayor Foster and, uh, and Mayor Mitchell, and it's a great story for Durham Region. What it does is it takes the traffic and, and takes it off the, the roads that leads to the 401. So in Whippy in the morning, if you were to drive over to Regional Road 23 and go south, it's often backed up from Rosalm Road all the way to the 401. But when you look to the to the east, there's nobody on the 418. Um, similar in uh, in Clarington, you know, there's seldom cars uh, on on the on the on the 412 or on the 418, the 412 and Whippy. Mm -hmm. So now um, it gives you that route. So if you live in the northern part of of Clarington and you need to get on the 401, you don't have to drive down uh, to the highway on, on uh, Bowmanville, Bowmanville Boulevard or the old Regional Road 57. You can just jump right on the 418, get down to the highway and get on your way. So uh, for traffic in the morning coming into the Toronto, it gives options. Often when there's an accident somewhere, you know, in, in the Durham region, having pre-notice and being able to get up onto the 4, uh, 418 and move up to Taunton Road, uh, to get across the region or, or you know, even the 407 um, will make a difference in moving goods, peoples and services throughout the province. So good news story for our communities, um, great story for the province and for the people who travel uh, now gives them huge options. Um, the anaerobic digester, is uh, timeline changed on that at all or um, what's the update no. there? No, we're still going through the process. Um, you know, the uh, it's in the procurement stage, and that will uh, that will happen. Uh, the selection will be done in uh, June of 2022, and it's a it's a very interesting project. Um, you know, using our green bin waste to create renewable natural gas is an amazing story. And you know, this is a a a, a building or a plant that doesn't uh, doesn't have a chimney on it. Um, it is a way to deal with our green waste. And, you know, when we talked earlier prior to the starting the taping, we talked about great growth in Durham region. Well, with great growth comes some of the things we don't really want to talk about. And that's, you know, water and sewer related things. And it also relates to garbage and having a way to manage that green bin waste um, and, and not have it go through our incinerator is, is a great news story. Uh, the team's done a really good job on presenting to council and now we're in the next step. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm excited what it will do for, for us. And you know what it does is it takes the pressure off the incinerator. If we can make this happen, then we will never, we, you know, we could get up to 30 years before we even have to contemplate ever expanding the EFW. And an update on Go East, which I know is a, a, somewhere between a pebble in the shoe or a thorn in the side of all the uh, elected officials in in Durham and Clarington. Well, it's you know it's another story. It's it's like the 412 and the 418. I can tell you that the councils and the mayors have worked really hard on making sure the province is aware of the message. You know this project goes back almost 30 years now when the conversation first started about getting the go train out to Clarington. You know as as Durham region becomes the place of choice for people to move and live that great dream of of a of a home in a community that they can raise their kids and have that great, great life that they want. Moving people effectively and efficiently in and out of the city or from the city out here to work makes absolute sense. And as we look at the moving vehicles off the roads and getting more people onto trains and eventually electric trains, this is a really good story. You know, our transit-oriented development office here at the region is different than any of the other transit-oriented development offices in the 
in the GO corridor. The work that we have done here at the region and through the city of Oshawa and Clarington has been top notch. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that we hear an announcement uh, very shortly that that work will start to take place. And, and I'm very positive that we'll hear that announcement sometime in the not too distant future. Could the uh, upcoming provincial election have anything to do with that? I, I, I'm just hoping that it happens. Um, you know, the <laughs> fact that there's an election, that, that's another story for another day. But, you know, Durham's really done a great job of presenting our, the business case for transit-oriented development. And, you know, when you look at, look at what will happen. So once you get off, uh, you know, in Toshua, Thornton's Corners, which would connect to, to a college and a university in that area, and then you slide over into the old Knob Hill Farms property, which really will reinvent downtown Oshawa, but the old fittings property, the old foundries that is located right behind the uh, Tribute Center, you know, the, the plans, even when I was mayor, when I was mayor of Oshawa, there was plans for 2,200 rental units built on that brownfield. And when you look at the, the, the available lands around the area, around the Knobville Farms project, this is a great story for Oshawa. But then you move out into Curtis, where you have the chance to build a transit-oriented village around a go train, where people will be able to use and, and live in a community where walkability and being able to get onto the train to get in and out of the in and out of the city of Toronto is such a great story. And then it finishes up in Bonneville. But you know, I, I'm going to say that that won't be the last stop on that rail line. I think yeah. eventually that that train will get out to Fort Hope and Coburg. Um, as people move further and further out of the city and are willing to commute that hour, hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half to get out to Port Hope and get back into, into um, Toronto and then back home at the end of the day. Um, it's a really good news story. So there's a lot of support. We've had great working relationships with, with the, uh, our MPs in all of Durham region related to this, this topic from Peter Bethenfall-Falby all the way out to David Pacini in, in uh, Northumberland. Great. And as that development, as the train moves out, then development will follow. So people won't necessarily be taking the train all the way into Toronto for their work. They could be stopping at Pickering or Ajax or even Oshawa, um, you know, with the train access. So, Well, the great story about the train now is the number of people who get off the train to come to work in Durham in the morning. So, mm -hmm. you know, when, when you get on the train uh, to go into the city for meetings, you often see young people, students coming out to go to you know, Trent, Ontario Tech, or Durham College. You've got people that come in, in into the municipalities that work in municipal government or work in government buildings. And of course, you've got professors and, and teachers that choose to come out here. They like to live in Toronto, but they like to work in Durham, Durham region. And also the people that come out of the city to go work in our hospitals. It's an amazing story. Uh, Durham's got uh, some, some amazing hospitals, you know, the Cancer Center in, in Oshawa. And then and then the, the reinventing or expansion of the Bowmanville Hospital, where the region's committed uh, $37.5 million to the redevelopment of that hospital, because that's where the growth is. That's where things are happening. And we know as a region, we need to invest into our communities, you know, whether it be uh, healthcare or education, because those also drive jobs and uh, come back to us in, in the forms of uh, property taxes to us. But contributions back to uh, income tax to the province. So it's a great story and Durham is is the place to be. Um, and you can see that, you know, you can see the great growth and, and you can see it in every community. You know, you can see what's happening in Pickering from from the Kubota and the dis, uh, decommissioning of nuclear and how that's going to change the world in that field from 
from Great Canadian Gaming to you come into Ajax and see what's going on there to to Whippy and the new spa and the other things that are happening. General Motors in Oshawa. Uh, you've got Toyota and um, small modular reactors in, in Clarington. And then you go up into the north where, you know, residential construction in, in the north is there. We've got uh, the agricultural community, which represents about um, 80% of the lands in Durham region are in the green belt. Uh, agriculture represents about a billion dollars to the Ontario economy. And, you know, quite frankly, if you're eating French fries tonight at Swiss Chalet, they came from a farm in Uxbridge. Or, you know, you're getting eggs or chances are they came from, you know, out from Raglan in Oshawa or whether it be apples or, or any of the other things that our farmers do. It's such an amazing story. And, and Durham, Durham is a place that, that needs to be recognized. And, you know, we're east of Toronto and the news tends to be in Toronto. But, you know, if it wasn't for Durham, 33% of the province wouldn't have their lights on. And tomorrow morning, uh, they wouldn't be eating eggs and French fries uh, because it all comes from Durham region. So it's a great story. Wouldn't be able to cook the eggs and French fries. So um, <laughs> the uh, and and you know for a long time we've we've known the benefits of uh, you know there's been some trembling about nuclear energy, but we see the 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 benefit of it with the uh, no carbon footprint and. And, uh, you know, it's been here for a long time. So, and that's, you know, we know that already and the rest of the, the world really is, is just going to catch up with that. Well, in the story about small modular nuclear reactors and in places in the world that, you know, solely rely upon burning fossil fuels, especially in, in the northern part of the world, where you have to, you know, bring in, you know, tr ships full of oil to meet their needs for the winter we're potentially down the road, a small modular nuclear reactor might be able to replace all of that. And in places where it's hard to, to get, uh, you know, equipment in and out of, and small modular nuclear reactors uh, have, have been around in a different form, but have been in ships and submarines for a very long time. You mentioned uh, development in the North. Uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to be working up in, in Cannington for the last few days and I see the, you know, as I'm driving, I, and you know, um, winter is reluctantly giving way to spring. Um, I can see more and more land sold signs and uh, uh, clearly new developments getting underway or, or about to get underway. Um, you mentioned the importance of agriculture in Durham. Uh, what is being done to protect our farmland? Because it strikes me um, that this is among the best farmland in Ontario and Canada. And uh, unfortunately, farmland is also the best place to grow houses. So it's hard to match the two. And, and uh, so I wonder about the bigger issue of food security and, and where that comes into play, whether it does on the regional level or not. Well, that's a great question. So 80% of our lands in Durham region are in the Greenbelt, so they're protected. So some of the lands in the communities that, that uh, you're seeing development on are, are lands that aren't within the Greenbelt. So Greenbelt lands are protected and the farms within those lands are. And you're right, we have some of the best farmland in all of Canada located within the region of Durham. But we also have some of the best talents related to vertical farming and, inter in, and growing uh, inside buildings um, in the country as well, especially with the work that's being done at Durham College. So farming, uh, traditional farming is changing as climate changes and as we use technology to improve how we do things. And, you know, I, I always get a little bit excited about talking about farming because, 
you know, everybody thinks that robotics is just something that is that is used in when you manufacture a car, but it's not. Uh, there's robotic milking barns where um, there'll be no farmer in the barn. The cow's got a collar, the cow walks up in the barn, it gets hungry, walks up to a gate. The gate opens because it's the time for the cow to eat. Uh, the feed is mixed to the cow's collar, whatever the cow is supposed to have, the gate closes. A robot comes out and cleans the bottom of the cow. Uh, lasers line up the, the milking machine. The milking machine's done, it's clean, the cow is cleaned again, the gate goes away and the cow walks out. And there, there may be nobody in the barn at all because the technology allows that. You know, autonomous tractors are things that, you know, you only talk about, but they're here, they're now. Uh, young people that are coming back into the agricultural world that are going back and working on the family farm are running their grain dryers off their iPhone. Mm -hmm. um, you get an alert in the middle of the night and you used to be a light would be flashing outside the building and you'd have to go and check on it. Now you, your alarm goes on your phone, you pull your phone up, you look at it. There's a good chance you can figure out what it is from that time. So Durham is a leader in lots of areas, but you're absolutely right. Um, you know, we're going to need to find ways to feed our people differently. Um, growth is only allowed in the areas that, that are allowed to have growth in, and the Greenland uh, green spaces are protected under provincial laws. And, uh, you know, Durham, we support our agricultural community. My family moved to uh, the Oxbridge area, north of Oxbridge, when I was 13 years old. And, uh, of course, we had no idea what went on at farms and and. People often had very low opinions about farmers, and uh, we quickly realized just how incredible these uh, operations were as businesses, um, the technology involved even then, um, and, uh, and it's only gotten more incredible since then. So I appreciate you mentioning those things. It, it all, to most urban dwellers, it's just, they have no idea what goes on at a farm. So to hear robotics, they've been doing forms of robotics really for quite a long time using uh, milk machines and that's just very steadily advanced and uh, all the programming that they do in terms of the animal husbandry and everything like that, it's it's really quite incredible. So, Well, in, um, in Durham is, is, you know, and I'll use potatoes as an example, you know, you everybody thinks potatoes either come from Prince Edward Island or Idaho, but really they come from Uxbridge, Ontario. And, uh, you know, we have, we're lucky, you know, we have one of the largest ap apple growers in the country in Bowmanville, and that's, right. and that's the Kemp's. And, you know, farmers um, are great, uh, not only are they great at what they do, but they're great keepers of the land. Um, you know, they've looked after, there's farms in our region that have been in the same family for over 150 years, and they're great stewards of the land. What level of support does the region have for an environmental assessment for what's being built at Exit 425, um, as was being discussed by the City of Oshawa Council and has been asked for by the Clarington Council? So the process is in place that uh, there is no need for the environmental assessment for the anaerobic digester. Um, and and it, it, the province hasn't, hasn't come to us and there's no, there is no reason why the province would. It meets the current standards. And I think the big thing about the anaerobic digester is it's been maybe not understood and truly what it is. And what it is, it's a place where you get rid of your green bin. There's no furnace, there's no smokestack, there's no emissions. Uh, your green bin waste goes into the building. Um, the byproducts come out and can be used as uh, in, um, 
in gardens or, or wherever you wanted to use it. And, and the byproduct is renewable natural gas. So, you know, there are a lot of really great things that come from renewable natural gas, um, being able to use it, whether we put it back in our grid or use it for our own vehicles. And, uh, you know, somehow people have spun it up that there's going to be another smokestack. And there's, it's, a, it's another incinerator. It's not an incinerator. And uh, I encourage uh, people that listen to you, Steve, to go to the region's website and become informed and understand what the process is about. It's easy to spin it one way, but it's, it, you know, the importance part is knowledge is everything. And we've tried to put as much information that you could possibly want on our website to deal with the con concept of anaerobic digestion. But I'll, I'll, I'll make it, I'll, I'll try to, to talk about it a different way. You know, D Durham has good, good diversion rates for recyclables. They could be better. Um, but if we're going to double our population, um, and I think it's going to happen faster than what the province is talking about, then you're also going to double, double the amount of waste that comes into the system. And if you don't find a way to deal with the green bin waste, then you're going to only find any, another way to deal with it. And I, I hope that the anaerobic digester meets that need and doesn't, need, and doesn't cause the, uh, the potential of expanding the EFW. Uh, this is a way to get around that. So uh, great growth comes with other problems. Garbage, water, sewer waste um, are all challenges that we're navigating and planning for here in the region. And we're not planning out, you know, typically uh, councils work in one and four year cycles. We're working in one year and five year and 10 year and 15 years down the road so we can have the region properly positioned to meet the growth of, of the communities and uh, you know that you're in you're out in Bowmanville and Bowmanville is going to be leading that big big growth uh, growth opportunity for the region especially in Curtis Curtis around the new go station so um, you know making this work and doing it right and doing it right the first time will help solve that problem of getting rid of all that stuff that would have to go someplace else and of course there's a resolution in Durham region that there will be no new landfill sites by regional government and I'm a fan of no landfill sites. Um, you can certainly change the technology in an energy to waste incinerator, but you can't change the technology once you've dug a hole in the ground and put garbage in it. Well, and so Durham, tremendous. Think, sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Durham did. So we have this great story about a landfill site that was in Blackstock, Ontario, where we went back and, and returned it back to the way it was prior to being a landfill site. And what happened is we were able to pull those materials out of that landfill site, send the materials that needed to be recycled to recycling, get rid of the stuff that was organic and got rid of it. And we were able to take that landfill site and turn it back into not quite pasture land, but land that is usable. Now we still test the land to make sure it's good, but you know, it would be nice to look at some of the other places that are within Durham region that are old landfill sites that, that have challenges and need to be remediated. So we've done one and we're looking at doing other ones. So you can deal with waste that's already buried in the ground. And Durham was a leader in this because we did it, but we didn't do it to create more space. We did it to turn it back into the way it was. And it's a great story. Well, getting the stuff out of the ground removes as much of the environmental problem as you can. Um, all I meant is once it, if it's left there, you can't really change what's going on. Uh, whereas you can update the technology in a, a tower scrubber, right, to, to take more things out. But, uh, you know, fair point. If you go to the expense of remediating the site, 
you know, that's a lot of work and you, you do have to continue to test the, the ground just to make sure that you've got it right. And, um, you know, hey, kudos, that's awesome. But, uh, um, you know, going forward and, I, I you know, you're talking about a lot of things here about getting out ahead of the growth, right, with the, with the GoTrain and the development of that system with uh, the anaerobic digester and you're getting out ahead of that to reduce the amount of stuff that has to go into the uh, EFW. Um, but, um, you know, there's, you know, I guess I didn't talk to you about doing, about talking about the waterfront in this one, but uh, we've talked about that before in terms of getting out in front of that one and protecting that space um, before there's too much pressure on it. So, I, I have a lot of respect for the planning part where we're getting out ahead of things and that's really good. So, uh, but I didn't, I didn't tell you I was going to ask about that. So I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to, well, you know, I, I'm excited. You know, I, I come from a, from a community where the waterfront in Oshawa was, uh, was represented, was owned by about 70% of it was owned by the community. So waterfronts are incredible and they belong to all of us and development the right development in the right place at the right time is a good thing. And, and that's the great news about the public process of, of planning too, because the planning, has, the, it, it, it asks for your participation to come in and make sure that you're heard and you, you, the community has a chance to talk about it. Planning, the planning process is at the responsibility of the municipalities. And, you know, we work closely with each of the mayors and the councils in those communities and the regional councillors here. And it, it, is, um, it is interesting and exciting to see the future of the region. Um, you know, we all want a place where our kids move back to someday because it's a great place to live, not because mom and dad are still here. Absolutely. And uh, just as a plug for the Clarington Council, I believe it's March 9th that they've got a, the planning committee regarding the municipal waterfront park and some discussion related to that. So check out their website. Um, so Durham and all the municipalities in Ontario go to the polls this fall, and we have a provincial tilt in June. All interested parties, including the ones that are trying to get elected, are lining up now to be heard and to influence policy. During this pre-election stage and after the writ of election is issued, is there any negative impact on uh, municipalities that are trying to get things done, especially prior to their own election in the fall? Um, hopefully not. Um... The challenge for us right now is the provincial election is before the municipal election. So there are lots of things that are happening at that level. But Durham has always had a good relationship with each level of government. And uh, able, we're still able to get things done. But what's, what's important within each of the municipalities is you also establish those relationships with the individual ministries and the deputy ministers. Those are the people that are there for careers. They're there mm -hmm. for... And, uh, for um, uh, long periods of time, deputy ministers don't move around a lot. So here we've concentrated on meeting and working through uh, the ministries, but in partnership with the ministers, but uh, making sure that our staff have good relationships uh, with the deputy ministers and their staff as well. So hopefully um, that uh, the news about the Go Train East will come along very shortly. Um, and that is a lot in part because of the work that our teams here have done in Oshawa and uh, Clarington and at the region working through the system because there is a, a huge system that you need to travel through and uh, we'll be uh, our team here at both levels of government uh, 
will be continuing to put in every application for funding for every project that meets uh, a requirement in the region. So all that stuff will still go on. Um, there'll be a number of people that will start to, to come out to put ideas and, and, and you know, do things within their communities. And that's, that's part of the process um, that you see. But I really wish that people would come out during the whole four years of a council bring their ideas to the table, be part of their community, be involved in their service organizations within the, in their communities, pick, a, pick an item that they're, they're passionate about and work towards doing that. The challenge is it all gets mix up, mixed up in that four-year cycle. So I'd like to see, you know, my personal opinion is for people that are active and involved, please be active and involved. Um, don't wait for an election to do that. Be involved in your community. Um, get to know your neighbors, get to know the issues and just don't get involved every four years because that, that is a cycle that doesn't really help anybody. We need to see you each and every year and, and, and then don't be afraid to reach out and ask for questions or help. AMO runs a program. Uh, AMO is the Association of Municipalities of Ontario for people that are interested in running for office. So, um, but there again, uh, you know, if you're passionate about something and it needs to be heard, do it when it needs to be heard. Don't wait for the four years to do it prior to an election. And that's really one of the objectives, frankly, of Exit 425 is to uh, um, build that, provide some access to our, our elected officials uh, to humanize you. So you're not just a quote in the newspaper or on the radio or 10 second clip on channel nine or something like that. Channel eight, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I agree with you and, and, uh, the community is better when we're invested in it. And, uh, you know, we do a lot in the community, you know, baseball fields, theaters, uh, hockey arenas, we're active in that sort of thing. And, um, but a little bit more engagement with actual government would, uh, go a long way to, uh, it gives our elected officials a better window of what people are thinking as well and not just taking the pulse every four years so yeah, it, it's and it's important for me to be involved in the community and uh, COVID has slowed that down but um you know i'm, I'm as the regional chair i'm I, I i live in oshawa but i'm in all parts of the region once or twice a month uh it's important uh to me um i uh, i have this thing that i i did when i was mayor that uh Growing up in Oshawa, you know a lot of people, and I was, of course, you know, I was in business for a very long period of time, and it, it came time for birthdays and anniversaries in our seniors' homes. And often, you, you know, a letter would just come out from the mayor's office. And I said at the time that um, I wouldn't do that anymore. I, I will deliver those letters personally. So uh, for eight years that I was in Oshawa, I went to Hillsdale Manor, and it was interesting because I, a lot of the people that were there were people who, who I grew up with their kids, their parents were there, friends of my parents were there. You'd walk in and you'd know lots of people and you could say hi. And when I became regional chair, it was so important to me that I, I continue that. And I'm at Fairview Lodge prior to COVID once a month. And I go up to Lakeview Manor and I take one day a month to go up and, and go through the northern part of the region, Uxbridge, Scugog and, and Brock, just so that people knew that I'm available. You don't have to come to the regional headquarters for a meeting. I'm available uh, in your communities. We just have to work the data. And now um, with, with the challenges of, of COVID, um, we've become more accessible because you have access to me today through this medium 
um, here. So we do, I do Teams, I do Zoom, I do FaceTime, I do WebEx, uh, I do Google. Um, so we're available now um, where you can just say, well, have you got a few minutes and boom, we're in the middle of a conversation. So that's actually allowed us to be more productive. Um, it's allowed us in, in here at the region to save money because we're not having employees travel across the region. So mm -hmm. the region is so large, like 2,500 square miles. So if, if you're coming to a meeting here at the region and you're working at Lakeview Manor in Beaverton, that's a 60 minute drive. Well, you lose that, that, that staff from, for, they're here for a half an hour meeting and they're gone, it takes an hour to get here, an hour to get back, and they've only been here 30 minutes. Well, mm -hmm. this is so easy to use the, these platforms that the amount of time we're saving is, is fantastic. And then that time turns into more productive work. So we're getting more done, traveling less, saving some money um, because we're not, not having to pay out mileage. Um, so we'll keep this platform in use uh, after COVID is gone. And we'll continue to do uh, do this type of meeting. In all the awfulness of COVID, it has brought some positive changes because it's forced us to to make some changes, and and that is one of them. And having worked at a a school that's an hour away from the board office, um, I appreciate that. And uh, you know, to be able to have a meeting very quickly and easily organized like this um, with someone who's an hour drive away, uh, it's huge. And you're right, there's all kinds of savings built into it. Not the least of which is just the stress of moving and 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 traveling and all that sort of thing. So, and if it's bad weather, then do we cancel? Do who who's able to make it and, and um, all those things. So um, well, that's great to hear and well, certainly appreciate the access. And I can certainly vouch for how accessible you've been with me, so. Well, it's a great story. And even for council going forward, because the region's so large, you know, you could have a day where you look out the window today here, the sunshine and it's cold, but the sunshine, but there could be an absolute blizzard in north of the ridges in Uxbridge, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Scugog and, and Brock. So now our councillors uh, prior to using this medium would have to, you know, risk coming down here in a snowstorm. So our council going forward, we have this hybrid model now. So that if the weather is bad and you live in Brock Township, you can still participate in a council meeting. You won't miss the meeting um, because you'll be able to sign on in a hybrid platform. We'll have people in the council chambers when COVID's over, but we'll have people in other communities where the weather might be bad and being able to utilize this platform. So their communities will be represented at every meeting, no matter what the weather's like. And that's good news. You've partially addressed another question I have about our political representation at other levels. And uh, Aaron O'Toole's recently, recently been displaced as the leader at the federal level, and Lindsay Park was displaced from the uh, provincial caucus. Um, I gather then from your previous comments that this isn't going to affect too much in terms of dealing with regional concerns at the provincial and federal level. Well, I hope not. So I'm an independent. I'm not tied to a political party, and I'm very proud of that. So I, I don't have those color problems where I'm, you know, I'm, I need to deal with the province. And you can imagine the challenges you would have if you were had ties to a party and that party's not in power. In power. So dealing with the provincial government and federal government is, is easier for me. 
um, because they know what I'm calling it, it. It's not, I'm not trying to do anything other than to advance the interests of the region of Durham. And, you know, I, 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 I still am able to do that. And Aaron is still in office and Lindsay's still, still there, but we, you know, we've got uh, a minister in, uh, in uh, Pickering and Peter Bethenfalby with the conservative party. And then you look at uh, Lauren Coves, the whip, and we've got David Puccini, Lori Scott in the North. So we still have access to those. And, and of course you build relationships up, uh, relationships up. So I can pick up the phone and get to a minister um, if we need to have a conversation about a particular issue. And then at the federal level, it, it there again, we have great representation throughout the region I, where we can still pick up the phone. And, you know, yesterday I was part of a conversation with, uh, with Ryan Turnbull, who brought uh, $4 million of federal funding to the region for some of our housing initiatives. And um, I was with Minister Hassin, Minister Gill, and, and who is an MPP and uh, uh, MPP Co. And, and we work well um, to advance the interests of the region. And that's, and that's what it's about. It's about working together where all four levels of government come together to meet the needs of our residents and their expectations. So I, I'm, I'm very happy that I'm able to work um, across the eight municipalities and then the, the uh, two levels of government uh, to advance the needs of the region and our residents. So I'm proud of what you're seeing. We've been very lucky. Lots of money has flown into to the region during COVID. Uh, but we've, we've done lots of things to help them as well. So, you know, our economic development team was very active with our boards of trades and chambers of commerce, finding out what the challenges were with small businesses, which would be consistent across the province. They would meet with our team here at the region. The director would come into my office and, and say, okay, we need to get this message to this person as quickly as possible. I could just pick up the phone and call the minister of finance and have that conversation or, or call, um, you know, Ryan Turnbull, who is uh, who's the MP for Whippy, have that conversation that we could get to ministers to do that. And, you know, Durham is really just another part of the province of Ontario. So the problems that, the problems that we're having, we're having everywhere. But how amazing it would be that you could get a, a problem related to the economy to the cabinet table in Toronto at Queen's Park on the same day. What a great yeah. story. We're uh, well into this. Um, I'd like to draw it to a, a conclusion for today. But uh, one last question that I hadn't really prepped you for, but I think it's going to be pretty easy for you. What's the most satisfying part of your role as regional chair of Durham? Oh, you know, that every day I get another chance to do something that advances our community. Um, we've done some really amazing things. Just the last announcement on on housing, the announcement on the 412 and the 418, uh, the work that we've done to be able to keep our economy open, open during COVID. They're all great stories, but what I'm really proud is our residents and the work that they've done and, and how they've helped us get through COVID um, and, and done the things that they needed to do. We haven't had the problems that other communities have had. And, and I'm really proud of that. Um, they're, they're, we have wins every day here at the, the region. And, and I'm just happy to say that I've been here I, and I've been part of it. And I think Durham is, is an amazing place to live, work, play and learn. And not one, um, there'll be a number of ties, but there's been a number of really good things and more good things to come uh, very, very shortly. 
Fantastic. And uh, I'd encourage anyone who's watching or listening to this uh, to check out the Durham Region website. And uh, there is a profile there of uh, John Henry's job <laughs> and what he is responsible for. And it, it's pretty extensive and, and um, there's a, a lot there. So thank you very much for joining me today. Um, Thank you to all who are listening and watching. Please be sure to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using and be sure to join the Facebook group. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at exit425401 at gmail.com. Once again, John Henry, Regional Chair, Durham Region, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Steve.